Hi, I'm Jack Cotterella. And I'm Aaron Parnas. And this is Zoomed In. On this week's episode of Zoomed In, we are going to start off by hitting the headlines and talking about the FDA's full approval of the Pfizer vaccine. After that, we will jump into an incredible interview with Remove Ron founder Daniel Yulfelder. After that, we will have a quick action item on the California recall and finish up with Tweets of the Week. Aaron, are you excited for our episode? I'm pumped, Jack. This is going to be a great one. Let's zoom in. Aaron, let's hit the headlines. Let's do it, Jack. So on Monday, the FDA granted full approval to Pfizer for their coronavirus vaccine for all people 16 and older, making it the first to move beyond the emergency use status in the United States. Since then, we have seen vaccine mandates go into effect across the country, starting with the U.S. military, which will mandate vaccinations for all service members. Now you're seeing that in in colleges and businesses and in schools across the country. Um, So in a way, let's let's say put down the sheet medicine and get the damn vaccine, like get get the vaccine. It has been fully approved. Get the vaccine. Yeah, I mean, there's no more excuses. I mean, anti-vaxxers for so long have been saying, oh, it's not FDA approved. It's not fully tested. Well, folks, now it is FDA approved. Pfizer now, Moderna is going to be up next. I'm sure Johnson & Johnson is going to follow soon after that. But you have an FDA approved vaccine. Um, there's no choice. Rather, I mean, there shouldn't be a choice other than to get it. I mean, it protects lives. It protects your life. So get it. Please. Yes. Like it. There is no more science that you could possibly trust. It is all there. If you want to read 300,000 pages of an FDA report, go ahead. There is more information that you could even, than you could ever find, even on you know, QAnon pages on Facebook. It's, it's all there. Like, there's a plethora of information. There's more that you need. If you want to check it out, you can. Uh, so, so, Aaron, we have been seeing, like I, like I just mentioned, vaccine mandates roll in across the country uh, where do you think those should be taking effect? Do you think that should be something that small businesses and airlines and, and you know, the different institutions across the country should implement? How do you think vaccine mandates should play a role uh, in, in the fight against COVID? Well, I think each institution, whether you're talking about the government or you're talking about private businesses, they should regulate the employees um, and the people within um, their business. So for example, the federal government can regulate the military, can regulate other federal employees in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. They have the power to do that. But I don't think the state government or the federal government should be telling an airline or um, other, or airlines different, sorry, not an airline, but small businesses across the country, what they can and can't do with their vaccines. Uh, these small businesses should be able to have the opportunity to, um, to require vaccines and impose ma- uh, vaccine passport requirements prior to entering their businesses. And Florida, uh, if a cruise line wants to require vaccines prior to entry, they should be able to do it. And I think it's very cynical looking at all these Republican governors who are now saying, oh, no, private businesses can't do what they want to do. But then at the same time, the same same governors are going to be preaching about small government. This is just a complete big government takeover by governors like Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, and others who are trying to strip the power uh, from small businesses to make decisions on their own behalf. And I think that President Biden has done a great job thus far regulating only what he can um, within the federal government space. And I think he's really stayed out of the business of small businesses and other private companies. And I think if a private company wants to mandate a vaccine, they should be able to do so. 
What do you yeah, think? and I completely agree. And now is really a time we've seen student activists push for you know their fellow young people to get vaccinated. But now that it is FDA approved and you're going to see that be implemented in colleges across the country, uh, these mandates have held up in the Supreme Court uh, in courts across the country. Uh, we're going to see uh, hopefully a spike in vaccination amongst young people because that is where we're seeing uh, our greatest issue in the return back to school. Um, but sadly, that vaccination is not you know, available to everyone. And still, it will be important for people to stay, stay masked in schools and following as many protocols as they possibly can to keep those who still can't receive this vaccine uh, safe. But in getting vaccinated, you are doing your part to protect the unvaccinated because exactly. there will be there will be less COVID spreading yep. uh, if if you are less likely to contract it. So do your part in protecting others and do your part in protecting yourself. And as I always say, remember that there is a Krispy Kreme donut that comes <laughs> along with this as well. Uh, you can always get your donut every day. I don't know what more of a, <laughs> an incentive you would need. But but please get vaccinated. Uh, and, and we're you know talking about getting vaccinated in, in schools and, and the mandate in schools. Recently, we saw that uh, the University of Virginia disenrolled 238 incoming fall semester students because they refused to comply with the vaccine mandate. Now, a, as an incoming college freshman myself, who could not be more excited to get out of the house and have my first experience in college, especially after, you know, how, how long we've been had to be inside and there have been no concerts or, you know, large gatherings or sporting events. I could not be more excited to get to school. So Aaron, what is your, what is your take on kids giving up their opportunity to go to college or people forfeiting their opportunity to travel just because they refuse to get the vaccine? And, and how do we change those people's minds if opportunity itself won't even do so? Well, first, big shout out to Jack, who's no longer going to be a Florida man come a couple of weeks from now and is going to become a New Hampshire man. That'll be a fun transition. I'll be a, I'll be a Florida man forever. <laughs> I will be a I will be a temporary New Englander. I'm excited for New Hampshire. I'm very excited for New Hampshire. Maybe a little bit of cold weather uh, will do good for me, but I will always be a Florida man. But yeah, big transition coming soon. Dartmouth, we're excited. Definitely yeah. excited. It's going to be a great time for you. But also, as far as the vaccine mandates in schools and um, students being unenrolled for not getting vaxxed. I think it's really sad to see because it, when I went to college and law school, I was required to show vaccination, proof of vaccination for um, a variety of illnesses, whether you're talking about hepatitis, or you're talking about chicken pox or um, the mumps. I mean, there are several vaccines that any child has to get when they're coming into primary school or university. And I think that the 200 or 250 so students who are unenrolled at the University of Virginia, I bet you those students were fine getting all those vaccines. Yeah. The reason they're fine getting all those vaccines is because A, their parents probably were like, yes, you need to get these vaccines because it's socially acceptable, but it's also because those vaccines haven't been politicized and we're mm -hmm. really never politicized. I mean, yeah. you don't really see this push, this anti-vax push in, in many places in history. And it's really sad to see it now. And I bet you that if parents, if these Republican leaning parents who are afraid to get vaccinated or who are afraid to get their children vaccinated, change their message, their children will follow along. And no Republican can tell me that these vaccine mandates in schools um, are unconstitutional or illegal in any way. 
because just last week, Amy Coney Barrett, who is one of the most conservative justices on the Supreme Court, denied a challenge um, to, I believe that was the Indiana University's or University mm-hmm. of Indiana's yeah, was. A vaccine mandate. And I think that that's going to continue happening all around the country. And I wouldn't be surprised if all schools require um, a COVID vaccine for all students once it's um, FDA approved for those under the age of 16 too. And they absolutely should. And you make that point that, you know, people will say that vaccine mandates are unconstitutional and they go against my freedom. And instead I'm going to take lamb, heartworm, medicine or whatever, because that's what I want to do. Um, Not only are vaccines not unconstitutional, they are deeply American. They are not un-American. They are deeply American. George Washington mandated that his troops get vaccinated so we could win our freedom, the freedom that allows you to eat sheep heartworm medicine instead of taking a COVID vaccine. Um, So I think it's important that we continue to talk about how deeply American and ingrained in our history vaccines are and this amazing scientific accomplishment that we have and and really celebrate the science um, and and make it clear that that's why we're able to do these things like go back to school or to go to concerts. I think uh, a little vaccine celebration here and there um, could possibly go a really long way in in getting people excited to to get the shot. I agree with you, Jack. And I mean, something else I saw this week kind of shifting away from the vaccine um, a debate is um, this kind of transition that we've seen in Afghanistan. I mean, it's now been a few days since um, we've officially, pu- or a few weeks since we pulled out troops, but a few days since the Taliban took over the capital and the capital fell into their hands. Um, and now we're really seeing world leaders racing to evacuate citizens from Afghanistan, whether the United States or elsewhere. And it's really kind of reverberated around the world, this Taliban takeover. So what have you seen over the past four or five days um, since the Taliban has taken over that has made you in one way or another um, believe in what the United States is doing over there? Well, one thing that I will say, I've seen a couple interesting um, posts lately that will compare the uh, the 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 policy platform. No, no, I'm going to call it a policy platform, but the platform of the Taliban, where it's talking about banning vaccines, banning abortion, stripping freedoms from women and young girls and, and children, and it it makes you think back to those images on January 6th of you know Republicans and and the mag idiots and the and the Trumpies invading our invading our capital. And what they were screaming and, and hollering and mm-hmm. rubbing shit on the walls for, what they were demanding happen, overturning a democratic election, trying to at least, and failing. Um, and, and I think seeing that, you know, really should make us consider and understand the gravity. And we always go back to this of so this 2022 election and, and to understand the importance of defending our freedoms. Um, so we, do not end up in a, I don't want to say in a situation like that, but Aaron, on our last episode, when we were talking about Afghanistan, you said, looking at those images and, and people fighting for their freedoms, and it made you grateful to live in, in America, you know, as we should be every day, because we have those freedoms and we need to work to protect those. Um, but I think the Biden administration has been extremely successful, you know, since what was maybe a mismanaged evacuation um, and departure from Afghanistan uh, about getting in contact with our allies in that, in that country and, and, you know, getting people out uh, the best way that they can. Numbers have been up in their evacuations of Americans and Afghan refugees. 
and, and I hope to see more reach out to those people by the Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Jack. I think I saw today actually on social media, on Twitter, I think it was from Grant Stern who tweeted out that it's a lot harder to exit a war than it is to start a war, right? Mm-hmm. It's very easy to go in guns blazing, blazing, whether you're in Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, North Korea, where, wherever you want to start a war, it's very easy to bring over your troops and weapons and start firing. It's a lot harder to stop, um, especially after 20 years, many of those years that we, are, we weren't necessarily fighting a war, we were just present and maintaining the status quo. Um, because the Afghan military really wasn't there. And we really saw how the Afghan military really abdicated its duties because when we pulled out, they were nowhere to be found. The Afghan government was gone. The military could not fight or rather did not fight. So whether President Biden was the one who was gonna pull out our troops or whether it was gonna be a future president in four, eight, 12 years, there was gonna come a time when this endless war was going to end And the images we see now and the images we've seen over the past four days would have been the same images now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or eight years uh, ago. So I think it's very easy to criticize the president for his response and for what he's done. And listen, I don't think that that us leaving Afghanistan was the smoothest transition. And I think that a lot of blame falls on the Afghan government for not having a plan in place. Um, And also there there does lie blame on us in a lot of ways for not getting out Americans earlier, but no one would have, no one expected the capital to fall that quickly. No, well, and, they were projecting months that it would exactly. take even and, a year, a year, even longer. And you put in a Republican president or really any president for that matter. And I don't know if they would have done differently. So I think that I'm thankful that president Biden finally ended this forever war. I think we need to end more of these forever wars and our constant military presence in a lot of these countries around the world. Um, where oftentimes we do more harm than good. Yeah, um, So I, I completely agree. And I, I think we can end on a, a John Kerry quote that I think is very relevant, um, which is, how can you ask a man to be the last man to die for a mistake? And, and that, that war was a mistake. Agreed. And, and I'm glad that we have ended it. Yeah. And with that, we have hit the headlines, and we will go into our interview next with Remove Ron founder Daniel Ufelder. Today, we are so excited to be joined on the podcast by Remove Ron founder. You may also know him as the Grim Reaper traveling uh, Florida's beaches and holding Ron DeSantis accountable. Uh, Daniel Yulfelder, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Zoomed In. We are so excited to have you on today. Well, thank you. I'm so proud of you guys to having this, uh, getting this together. So you, you guys are a future of our democracy. So. We appreciate it. We've got a couple of Florida men on the pod and uh, we're about to have a great interview. So let's get right into it. Aaron, you just want to go ahead and- Yeah, 100%. So Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit and tell our viewers a little bit about your background um, and what led you to become Florida's Grim Reaper? Well, I'm a Florida native, second generation Florida native. And um, I grew up in all over, I was born in Miami. I grew up in Tallahassee and I've been here in the Panhandle for- 20 plus years where I am in Northwest Florida. And uh, it, it really, um, it was a kind of a confluence of kind of events that led me to get to that point where when uh, last spring, we, um, I can't believe it's been that long, March of 2020, yep. uh, we had, our family was going to be going to uh, Europe for spring break. And 
we ended up not being able to do that because of the oncoming virus situation. And so um, we were um, looking to get some, uh, I was trying to get masks for our family and the, uh, we were unable to, to get any, you know, because we were getting late. So I went to a paint store down the road and got some masks and I ended up getting a, a hazmat suit too, just because <laughs> I didn't know where this was heading. I didn't know um, how bad it was going to be. And then the guy at the paint store said, what are you getting ready for the zombie apocalypse? I said, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was really, it's really kind of weird talking about it still, because this is August, 2021. And we are really not any, we're, I mean, we're worse than we were when this whole thing started. Right. So I, I, um, I, I went to the beaches in this, this hazmat suit kind of asking, you know, people, what do you, you know, why are you here? And, you know, that, that got some, you know, attention. And then, um, and then I sued the governor over his mishandling of this. And then, um, and he did temporarily institute some measures to, for protection for closing the state. But then on May 1st, he said that he was going to reopen everything. And I was just like at a loss. I'm like, um, you know, it's really, you know, I've got family and friends and all over Florida and, and to, to watch this state get um, really um, mishandled. I mean, it, it was just very, so I said, you know, what can I do to make it clear to our leadership that this is serious? And I said, right. well, why don't I dress the Grim Reaper? And, and that's, <laughs> the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. And Daniel, you talked about that, you know, social pressure that has been put on the governor from people calling him out. And you have obviously been extremely vocal in calling out Ron DeSantis. A little less than two weeks ago, the governor was planning a, a little fundraising trip, a little fun for himself to Las Vegas. Uh, and, and you, you know, led a, uh, an extremely vocal campaign calling him out for continuing to abandon the state. And, and he ended up canceling that trip. Now, he said it was because uh, of a hurricane. But I, I think a, a lot of us know it's probably because he got a little bit embarrassed. Um, Definitely. What can other Floridians and people across the country do to sort of participate uh, in calling out the governor in a, in a similar way to get him to act? If it's not, you know, staying in the state, maybe it's changing the way that he's he's governing right now during COVID. How can they be a part of that? Well, I think that it's important to with wherever you live and wherever you whatever community you're in and to, to, to stick to the facts, to look at what, what's going on in your community. Are you in a community where um, you're having issues with masks or vaccinations and leaders not doing, I mean, because you're not going to, you're going to have to do a lot of this locally because the governor doesn't care. (laughs) So, so what, what is happening is people are slowly and courageously standing up to him and like my, you know, Alachua, I mean, I listened, there was a, you know, they had a hearing where they, the Board of Education was going to, uh, and they ultimately did come up to want to find these school board members. Um, I mean, I support people that are, are being courageous. I mean, yeah. if you live in Gainesville, you know, call up your superintendent and say, hey, I know this is tough, but I appreciate you're putting your neck on the line. You know, if you're in Broward, do you know, because people, you know, it's not easy doing these things. And and sometimes, you know, you feel like I know I feel like sometimes I'm all alone and, you know, I'm putting my neck out. And, and but and, but it always helps when, you know, you, you hear from folks that appreciate it. So wherever you live in Florida, if you've got a, a school board member or a teacher or a 
anyone that you feel is, you know, sacrificing, you know, give them, a, you know, some, some support if you're not able to, because it's hard, it's hard to put your name and things out there. So if you can't do it, if you can't go out and put your name on something and go out and socially, you know, I don't know, it's not that be protest, just speak out. I mean, um, right. And, and support people that are, you know, and, and Daniel, you're an attorney. And, and from my point of view, it seems as though every time Ron DeSantis doesn't like something, he just does something unconstitutional, whether it's vaccine passport and banning vaccine passports or this executive order over children. Um, how can we legally, I mean, stop him um, from continuing doing this? Because the legal process is a long, it takes a long time. Um, so from your point of view, is there really any recourse we can get? Well, I, I was, he's been sued a lot recently. And I, I, maybe I'm proud to know that I was the first one to sue him over this whole thing. I sued him back in March. Uh, right. And the OG, the OG sewer. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and, and then I'm dealing with the repercussions of that. They're actually coming after me for doing that. And it's, um, and that's, you know, part of whatever, but yeah, I mean, I think there, I'm watching today. There's a hearing, there's a trial on with several lawyers dealing with the school uh, mask controversy. There's cases on the disability, you know, being filed in federal court. I mean, I, 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 there's always the court. The courts are there for a reason. And they've been, if you look at what, what happened with former President Trump and his efforts were, fortunately, a lot of them were staved off by the federal court. So, I mean, I think... You know, with the Royal Caribbean, that that appears to be the courts are doing the right thing. And right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the courts are there to protect people if another branch is is going beyond what they're supposed to. And that's what the governor in this with the schools undermine the school boards, get in the middle of a private company's decision to require vaccines, you know, not doing what he's supposed to do with all sorts of things. So, yeah, but the court system is fairly slow. But that's why, you know, I think ultimately we have to do all these things. You have to stand up to them. You have to speak out. You have to vote. But ultimately, we have to get them out of office. 100%. That's kind of over the holidays for the new year. I Mm -hmm. really tried to come up with what is the best use of my time and my skill set. And that is to start a committee to get them out of office because I, as attorneys, they What's the problem? Okay, the problem, he's the problem. I mean, he, he is 90% of the problem. I mean, the virus is a problem, clearly. But the virus, you can only do so much about the virus. But- he, and he, in, his, in a way, is his own strand, like we've called it, the DeSantis variant. He is his own strain of the variant. He, he is a virus of himself in our government. So it's a two-for-one that we have to eliminate. Yeah, we, we are fortunate. We live in a country where we have elections and we have fair election, but the fairness is you have to fight for it. And so right. if you look at the problems over the last year and a half, uh, well, certainly a lot of them came from President Trump and his refusal to take this seriously, refu- giving out misinformation, not, a, you know, rolling out things correctly. He's gone. I mean, he, you know, his, his, he's still here in his theories and his followers, but you know, the third largest state in the country with 20 plus million people, people that come here and travel. This, the mantle for the anti-science wing of the virus is being led by our governor. You know, mm-hmm. Trump has limited things he can do. I mean, Trump can have fundraisers and rallies and mm-hmm. freak people out, but we've got a guy who's in our office who can 
get the board of education to have a meeting and, and, and defund school board. I mean, you're, he's going to defund the school board members salary for deciding to acquire masks. It's crazy. And, and he's, and this is a Republican. I mean, right. he's going to stand in the way of a private business, a billion dollar business decision to, I mean, I was telling something the other day, where is the one place, the one forum on the planet where you would want people to be vaccinated? I would say a cruise. A cruise ship. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I, I've been on a cruise once. I'm probably never gonna be on one. You know, but, but a cruise is, why would you, I mean, it's a, it's like a, it's like a it's like a petri dish of just disease without a, a deadly virus. I mean, the the pool. I, I went once. Everyone's in the pool. Everyone's <laughs> eating together. Everyone, I mean, there's no. So it's almost like what if he he pick? Let's pick the one business that is the most dangerous, and let's make it even more dangerous. It's crazy. I mean, and Republicans are the uh, party of um, they claim to be the party of small government and. Um, you don't want a unitary executive, the idea of but federalism, but then they want to block. No, this is all, this has nothing to do with Republicanism. Yeah. It's what Trumpism. he's trying to do is a needle he's trying to thread. That's all he's trying. He's right. If you look at what he did, he with the vaccines, he got all the rich friends of his. They got the vac. They came from New York, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Let's get them back because, you know, everyone really needs it. I mean, most people who are these Fox News, they're all vaccinated. I mean, these oh, 100%. Billion, every bill, I, I doubt there's a billionaire on the planet hasn't wasn't like the first line to get vaccinated. So he got all them vaccinated. And then he's like, well, I got them taken care of. Well, I got this whack wing in my party that I have to, to cater to that doesn't believe in the vaccine, doesn't believe in mask. And he can't lose them because what will happen is he will get primary. Right. He was that's that's all he's worried about, because in 2018, there was a guy, Adam Putnam, who was in line to be governor. It was basically it's your turn. You know, hey, you're up, you know, you know, and he was ready to go. But Trump's like, hey, who's this other guy? And so he came out of nowhere. So now DeSantis, I was just looking, he hasn't mentioned vaccine. He's going around the country for Regeneron, you know, yeah. and, Regeneron and so he can't he, he can't come out and show he's getting vaccine. He can't come out and. The pro-vax. What happened with Trump in Orla- or up the road from me in Alabama? He goes, up, "We should all get vaccinated." He gets and booed. booed him. Yeah, booed, exactly. Yeah. And when he sat down with uh, when he sat down with uh, Biden on the collapse of the economy, everyone's, "Oh, he's gr-. he got a lot of flack for that." So he's he knows that he has to appear as you know, kind of winking to the mm-hmm. anti-vaxxers, the anti-maskers. So that's what he's doing when he could say, "Well, I'm taking on this big industry that." you know, for freedom, you know, whether it's a big part of his, his, is the Republican party, they all vote now they vote. So that, that's what he's doing. So, and at, at the and at expense of what at the expense of a lot of destruction, death and, and sickness. And, and Daniel, that leads us perfectly into our, our last question. Um, so we are about a year, a few days less than a year out from the democratic primary. And I think it's actually a year today. That's, I think it is a year today. Yep. And and so, you know, we have this long primary, a little bit longer than others. And and right now it is going to be incumbent upon remove Ron to be leading the charge to define Ron DeSantis in this race. So what role will your organization and what role will you play uh, in in defining Ron DeSantis? Well, I think you made a good point. Florida has a very late primary and and there's only like 77 days between the primary and the general election, which is not a lot of time. And we have two really good candidates running that I, I like a lot. I'm friends with and but, you know, they have they're they're raising money and they're going to be running against each other. And so 
And they we're going to be going after DeSantis as we have been relentlessly in every form and format because um, that's somebody that's that somebody's got to do it, and they're and that's what we're doing. And it's it's um, you know there's other you know the Democratic Party that they, they're doing their thing, and but they also have other you know they have other <laughs> they have other races. This is a one horse pony we're going after. This guy needs to be knocked off that horse you know immediately, and you know we can't recall him. We don't have that option but i don't even know if that would we have an election in a year from now where we have a primary and then we'll step in and help that person but you know this guy yeah we have to hit him every day you know unmask him for his his mis you know his misstatements his misinformation and his untruthful statements and his bad policies and his disregard for the safety of our state and and that and it, it we're really fortunate that in the past i started this we started this in february we're it's really going very well. I mean, we've raised over $300,000. We've got 13,000 grassroots contributions. We, we're running TV ads, we're running radio ads, we're doing non-traditional and, and, and we're, we're, we're all over this guy. I mean, this guy, we know what he's, I, I, I think I know what he's gonna do before he does it. Unfortunately, I've got to that point of understanding this person and, and anticipating like we did in Las Vegas. Yeah, he, yeah. he decides he's gonna, in the middle of a pandemic, go to Las Vegas to raise money for Tom Cotton and do it quietly and do it yeah. quietly. Well, he, went, he, didn't, he, he didn't get to be so quiet when we we're going to have a truck driving down Vegas Boulevard, calling him out. And then he's changed his mind because of a tropical storm. I mean, this man, he does not care about the things that we need as a governor. And so we are pointing that out. And I believe, I, well, I know he's not going to get reelected. I know that. I mean, just I know that because I know Florida. I know this virus is is not going to get any better. It's only get worse. Right. And that's somebody's got to get rid of them. You know, and that's yep. we're going to help do that. Daniel, thank you so much. For oh, thank you so much. We had an awesome time. And uh, please come back and zoom with uh, zoom in with us again. OK, well, thank, thank you. Uh, all right. See you guys. Now it's time for the action item of the week. This week's action item may seem simple or unimportant or inconsequential, but I can't stress enough that it's anything but that. Every day I live under a wannabe dictator and Ron DeSantis who doesn't give a shit about COVID, and it's terrible. People are dying. Students, teachers, parents, grandparents, every day, and he does not care. So if you're a California resident and that sounds terrible to you, which it is, all I can say is go vote no in the recall election. If you're a Democrat who loves Gavin Newsom, that's fantastic. Go vote no. If you're a Democrat who's eh, so-so on Gavin Newsom, great. Go vote no. And if you're a Democrat who really does not like Gavin Newsom, you just eh, don't like the guy. Go vote no. He is better than the COVID idiot, the COVID idiot, who will be placed in the governor's mansion instead. There is too much at stake in this election for you to not go vote no. That is why we are keeping this action item short and simple. All I'm going to say is if you are a California resident, go vote no. And if you don't live in California, but you have friends or family or coworkers, reach out. Tell them the importance of voting no. And with that, we have our action item for this episode. 
Coming up next, Tweets of the Week. And finally, we're going to close with a segment that has, you know, got some got some buzz going so far, Aaron. I think people really like Tweets of the Week, so I'm excited to close with it. I'm a big um, fan of them. I'm a big fan of Tweets of the Week as well. Um, so I have a question for you. Have you seen the Milk Crate, or maybe it's called the Crate Challenge on Twitter? Have you seen that? No, I have not. You have So what, what people do is they stack these milk crates on top of each other like they're stairs and they get progressively higher. They usually go up to like about six crates. And once you get to that second to last crate, there's a little bit of wobble that happens. Um, and and it, it's scary. I would not do it myself. I'm a tall guy. I have no balance whatsoever. You, I would, you would fall. hit your head on the roof. Oh, I would hurt myself. Yeah, it'd be bad. It would be pretty funny. Um, but although this is not a political tweet, I recommend checking out the crate challenge. I don't necessarily recommend doing Wait, it. Jack, how many how many likes and retweets are rather how many watches of this podcast episode do we need for you to do the crate challenge? Because I would pay to see it. I mean, oh I would throw in a hundred dollars into a GoFundMe to buy these crates. Aaron, why are you doing this to me? Okay, that if this if this clip, so it's gonna be this clip, because we're gonna post this clip, mm-hmm. gets 50,000 views and zoomed in, zoomed in on Twitter hits 5,000 followers. I will, this is a promise. This is Scout's honor. I'm an Eagle Scout. This is a promise that I will do the crate challenge. I will stack them up to five. I will do it. I will fall. It'll be hilarious. No, 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 no. I'll stack it to six. You gotta do the full challenge. I'll do the full challenge. Okay, so I'll stack it to six. Okay, so I'll do it. So if this video, it's gonna be on Twitter. I know Brett's going to push it because he wants to see me fall. Uh, I know Listen, Jordy will if too. If we can get 5,000 likes on your tweet to get you on the Midas podcast, yeah, we I'm gonna can have to walk up some crates, get 50,000 views. Yeah, I'm going to have to walk up some crates. <laughs> Do it. It'll be worth it. It's going to be fine. Okay, 50,000 views on this clip right here yep. and 5,000 followers on Zoomed In Podcast on Twitter, and I will do the crate challenge. Okay, with that said, with my fate set, oh, my God, I'm going to fall and hurt myself before I go to school. It's going to be fine. I'll break a bone. Uh, let's get into the tweets of the week. Um, the first tweet we have comes from at the tweets of God comes from, you know, God himself, the big man upstairs. So glad to see him on Twitter. Uh, and, and this tweet is talking about, uh, is talking about masks and it's talking about vaccines and it's talking about ventilators. So the tweet goes funny. You never hear people talk about being anti ventilator, which is true. You don't, it's a little, it's a little dis- it's more than a little disappointing, but people will be so against the science in in such a selfish way. Governor until, DeSantis ordered uh, a bunch of de- a bunch of ventilators the other week. Governor and DeSantis denied doing example. it, and then it still came in. Yeah, perfect example of of someone who is you know selfish, saying, "Oh, you know, I don't need we don't need masks, we don't need vaccines." But you know, once people are you know really in the thick of it then they're happy to ask for the same science that they've been denying. And it's really just selfish and it's terrible. And, oh, the Republican Party. Uh, so our next tweet comes from at Jake Lobin. And, uh, and this is some incredible news that I was absolutely amazed to see. Uh, the tweet goes, absolutely incredible. 95% of Georgians over 18 years old have now registered to vote. Thank you, Stacey Abrams. Is that not amazing, Aaron? Stacey Abrams deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm going to be honest with you. She is amazing. And the fact that 
we've been able to re see so much progress in Georgia and make Georgia a purple, almost blue state is, is really amazing. I think we should just, if we could clone Stacey Abrams, you know how they clone, clone we that need, sheep? We need Stacey Abrams. Let's just start pumping them out. <laughs> Let's just start pumping them out by the dozen. Just send her everywhere. Like we got problems. Let's get Stacey Abrams on it. She knows how to fix stuff. I want her, I want her to set up my dorm with me because it'll be organized. It'll be efficient. It'll be streamlined. And maybe in the process, she'll probably register someone to vote because she's incredible. So let's just get yeah. Stacey Abrams everywhere. If she has a TED Talk or like a masterclass, I will be taking that. Um, and then our final tweet of the week comes from none other than the US FDA um, talking about uh, some recent medication that's been taken recently. Uh, the FDA says, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. Stop <laughs> taking it. Stop taking animal medicine. Seriously, who, who, don't whoever, take it. It's not for you. Whoever tweeted that needs a pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for you. You are not. Oh, my God, you're not a sheep. You're not. I'm sorry. You're not a sheep. Well, actually, if you're taking sheep medicine, you kind of are a sheep at this point. So I don't know what I can say to that. And with that, I am going to be falling off some crates soon. And that was Tweets of the Week. And that was our show. Thank you so much for Zooming in with us on our third episode. And thank you to Remove Ron founder, Daniel Yulfelder, for coming on uh, and talking to us about the next steps and removing Ron DeSantis and flipping Florida blue. Uh, Aaron, did you have as much fun on this episode as I did? I had so much fun. I'm going to have even more fun watching Jack do the milk crate challenge. Oh my God, it's going to be terrible. Oh, so I know that the people are going to be able to find me in the hospital very soon, but Aaron, where can they find you? You can find me on any social media platform at Aaron Parnas. And what about and, you, Jack? And you can find me on Twitter at JD Cacciarella. That's J-D-C-O-C-C-H. I-A-R-E-L-L-A. -L -L -A. Uh, and probably I should drop my PayPal. Some, some, some people can, you know, send me some money for the cast that's going to be around my leg pretty soon. I'll pay for it. It's okay. I appreciate that, buddy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you so much for zooming in. And we will see you next week.